Below the Yellow Line studio, it's the Below the Yellow Line podcast. Hello everybody, welcome back to Below the Yellow Line podcast. As you can see on your screen, we are joined today by a man who, let's be honest, we have all looked up his name on Google every single time there's a rain delay to check what he's saying to see when we're finally going to get a race restarted, or for him to say there's now a tsunami over turn four. But he he, he goes, he does many things, including hopping on a, the world's largest moon bounce at Dover Motor Speedway, which we will talk about that a little bit. Mr. Bob Pockers, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you all doing? Doing good. Honored to have you on the show. Uh, we do have a couple questions for you, and then we figured that it is a pretty big race this weekend, the regular season finale at Daytona. So uh, I'll ask a question, Emily will ask a question, and then uh, we'll preview Daytona a little bit, because it's a pretty big race uh, coming up this weekend. Um, this is a question I've asked everybody I've interviewed so far, and I've interviewed different people from track executives to, I mean, reporters, crew chiefs, drivers, but how did you become you in terms of how did you get into this line of work and and how did you really get your start (laughs) well i worked at the student newspaper at indiana university and when i graduated or the year i graduated i sent out over 200 resumes and clips and the daytona beach newspaper called and they were looking for a uh for a entry-level reporter and i ended up at the daytona newspaper from 91 to 2003 and then joined a magazine called NASCAR Scene Magazine. It was the weekly magazine that covered the sport. And this, you know, there was the internet at the time, but it was still a time where, like a lot of people on the West Coast, this was the only way they uh, they got NASCAR coverage because a lot of the papers in a lot of areas didn't uh, didn't cover too much NASCAR. Worked for there. The magazine I think shut down around 2009. Stayed with the website ScenDaily.com. Eventually, the, the, the people who own that website also own the Sporting News. I got rolled into the Sporting News for a few years. Uh, went to ESPN, I believe, in 2015 and worked for them uh, for, uh, for, for a time and then started at Fox Sports in 2019, helping out on the TV side as well as uh, working on the writing side, especially for Fox starting in 2020. Yeah, you, you've been very fortunate um, to, you know, stay in a lot of places for a long time, which I feel like is kind of rare for, for a lot of people, especially a lot of big people covering uh, sports. I mean, you see all these TV reporters moving around and a lot of journalists moving around. So it's great that you've been able to stay in so many places and you've been a constant since the, the early 90s, um, which is great. So I think Emily had a question for you as well. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're so excited that you're on our podcast today. We, what we really want to know is, has there been a moment that has really stood out to you when covering um, NASCAR? I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't hear you quite well. The, the oh, what? Sorry. Covering NASCAR? Yeah, no, that's okay. Yeah. Uh, is there a moment that's really stood out to you? Oh, yeah. The I, I would say, I mean, there's a couple, but they're both around the same thing. Obviously, uh, the 2000, I mean, both 2001. Uh, the Dale Earnhardt tragedy here at uh, Daytona obviously is something that you won't forget from a sadness uh, perspective and and just from a news uh, perspective. And then, you know, less than uh, six months later, Dale Jr. winning here at Daytona in the summer race. You know, the, the, those two moments are just um, 
you know, are moments that you'll, that you'll never forget, uh, you know, both, um, you know, some you wish never happened, but then you have an event that, uh, that seemed to, you know, just be, uh, you know, a, a, a great moment in the sport amid the sadness. Yeah, that 2001 race, both 2001 races, you know, they tear you up for different reasons, but, you know, one couldn't have happened without the other and vice versa. So uh, those moments are, are always ones for sure that um, you know, they make you emotional in some way, sad, happy, and and I'm, I can't imagine the feeling, especially for you at the time, you know, working for, for a Daytona-based uh, entity, just that feeling um, that you had. I mean, I can't imagine. So we, we just talked a little bit about past Daytona and, and you, you're there right now kind of in the heat of the moment um, but this weekend three huge races across the national series of NASCAR the truck series is off in the midwest in Milwaukee for their playoffs but the Xfinity series is there tomorrow night but the big one obviously that all the hype is around is Saturday night at Daytona the Coke Zero Sugar 400 the regular season finale and Bob obviously you've been in this game a lot longer than Emily and I have. You've covered so many more races, so many more high pressure moments. But does having a race as important as the regular season finale at Daytona kind of do you feel that level of pressure kind of added like throughout the garage? There's is the tension so thick you can cut it with a knife? Yeah, I think uh I don't know whether it's tension, but certainly everybody's anxious about it. Uh you know, it's uh it's one that everybody knows they have a chance. Uh, some, depending on the track, probably feel like they have less of a chance <laughs> than what they would uh, at a different track. But the thing is, everybody has a chance. Everybody has a chance to win. Everybody else has a chance to not be racing when the checker flag falls. And so I think that's what uh, that that's what creates this anxiety. You don't necessarily control your own destiny. And so you know that you're going to need help. You know that you are not um, going to always be in control. And for a driver, that's a, that's not always the greatest feeling, but uh, there's some who embrace this style of racing and look forward to it and look forward to this last opportunity to make the playoffs. For sure. It's, it's a moment that, you know, I feel as a fan, just always like from the time the green drops, from the time the checker drops, my stomach's in a knot. And I can tell you, Emily has felt the same way as a fan of a driver. I can, I can vouch for that. <laughs> absolutely. As, as the fan of a driver who's not necessarily had the best of luck at these tracks as of late. Um, and Emily, you do have some favorites this weekend. You've kind of compiled a list of some favorites, some guys you think are going to uh, do really well. So we'll kind of go around the, the virtual room, the virtual studio, I guess. And Bob's definitely going to be a lot better at this. Mm -hmm. I think we combined have maybe had five or six win picks right all together across the top three series this year. But Emily, who are your favorites for this weekend's race at Daytona? You know, I think that part of the reason my picks are usually not accurate is I, I don't necessarily pick from skill or um, history at the track or whatever. Sometimes I'm just like, mm, yeah, I really feel for these people. Maybe they'll go out and win this weekend. Um, or maybe just I'm a fan. Um, of course, I've got my eye on Denny. I've got my eye on Kyle Larson. Um, I, I feel like obviously you can't overlook William Byron any week this uh, season. He is just absolutely out there. Um, you know, farther down the um, kind of playoff standings, you're I'm kind of got my eye out on um, Kevin Har Harvick still at this point in the season. Um, I don't know. It's, it's, you, you, you never know. 
Daytona is certainly that kind of crazy place. Bob, who, who do you have your eye on? And if you don't mm -hmm. mind, going ahead and sharing it, unless it's confidential, which I understand. Who is no. your win pick for Saturday night? <laughs> I don't know yet. I, I actually was thinking Denny Hamlin. I was thinking like Bubba Wallace could push Denny Hamlin to the win, and that way Bubba knows that he's going to be in the playoffs. Exactly. But the win driver uh, Emily <laughs> didn't mention that I'm thinking about is possibly Kyle Busch because – I want to say Kyle Busch was <laughs> leading at uh, mile 500 of the Daytona race back in February. Unfortunately, there was overtime and he wasn't leading <laughs> when the checkered flag fell. But uh, I'd be interested to see how uh, how Kyle Busch does. Uh, although he might be a guy who say, man, if he's going to push anyone, he's going to be pushing his uh, his teammate Austin Dillon across the finish line. Wouldn't we'll count out Austin Dillon for a for a repeat uh, walk-off headed to the playoff uh, moment. For sure. And, you know, that's the thing that's kind of come up. It's almost like the politics of NASCAR this weekend. Who's going to push who? Are you going to push your teammate? Are you going to push your friend? In Denny Hamlin's case, are you going to push your teammate or the car you own? Um, I have my eye on, though, and I feel like this kind of got overlooked in all the hoopla of – uh, Ricky Stenhouse winning, but those RFK cars at Daytona look to be borderline unstoppable until Kyle Busch um, and Stenhouse were able to separate them. If they get together again, they are lethal. So he's won two races recently, and I, I just feel like he's got some good momentum. I'm going to go Chris Busher. I think he gets win number three on the season. Um, I, I think he's really a dark horse round of eight kind of driver. So I'm going to go with Chris Busher to win this weekend. But obviously all bets are off. I mean, at the World Center of Racing, anything can happen. Anything will happen. Hopefully we don't see another 70 car pile up in turn one like we did last year. But forecast looks good. Hopefully no rain this weekend. But Florida loves to rain on you when you least expect it. So. Um, It'll certainly be interesting uh, for sure.